What's up, everyone? Welcome to the first ever Pick a Side podcast, where I am always right and Johnny is wrong. We're super excited to be here. My name is Speedy, and I have right here with me Johnny Hakeem the Dream. We're going to provide you with some key insights to opinions on all sports. America, I apologize ahead of time for any of Johnny's sports opinions. All right, all right, Johnny. Jonathan, Johnny, can I just call you Johnny? Is that all right? Bro, just let's go. Okay, all right, all right, cool. All right, let's get started. All right, Johnny, I just got to ask, what do you think about the Saints-Rams game tonight? Man, that I mean, got a lot to say. Let's start off with, I mean, maybe the blown call of the century. Um, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a more blown call than that. Um, but, I mean, even with that being said, even with that being said, the Rams still had to go down after that, had to march down the field with a two-minute drive, still had to t- take it in the overtime, had the chance even then with Drew Brees throwing the interception. Uh, I mean, Rams played their behinds off, man. The first half, Jared Goff couldn't hear anything. You know, he's throwing throwing everything a little bit behind, throwing short. So it was, it was pretty impressive to see him come back in the second half. Uh, and really get their act together. Um, it's it's just hard not to look at that at that blown call uh, since if you if you get that call made correctly, I mean the Rams have it first and ten, and the Saints only or excuse me the Saints have it first and ten with the Rams only having one timeout, so they're going to be able to whittle the clock down about two seconds. Um, just kick you know chip shot field goal. So it's hard to not look at that call, but overall, man, the Rams were impressive. Yeah, it was was a super good game. It was an electric environment. I mean, yeah, like you said, man, the Rams, you just couldn't hear a thing. Jared Goff was having even some audio trouble. But there's something that a lot of people aren't talking about in the game was uh, the Saints did not use Mark Ingram well. I mean, they were targeting uh, Alvin Kamara uh, every other play, but it made it to where whenever Ingram was going out on that field that every time he was on there, it was just a run play right up the middle. People don't talk about it. I mean, Mark Ingram's got good hands. He's got good route running skills. He's got more to they can bring to the table than just running it. And, I mean, that game, too, I mean, yeah, it was a blown call. It was a terrible call. But, I mean, there's some bad calls both ways, man. I mean, uh, there's a lot of missed opportunities, too. I mean, come on. He dropped that wide-open touchdown pass from Breeze in the first half by that tight end. I don't know how you let that go. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities where the Saints could have separated themselves, but they just didn't make it happen. No, there's definitely, I mean, we're not going to look at that call and say that that changed. Uh, you know, that's the reason, the only reason that they lost the game. That, that, Like I said, that's the easy one to look at. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, the Saints had it, you know, like up that. 13-0. You're not going to hear that very often. Uh, the Saints are up 13-0. You know, and they're marching. It's you gotta look at that fake punt, man. Just looking back, similar to what the Saints actually ended up doing last week against the Eagles with the fake punt. But Sean McVay, that is a bold move back when you're sitting on your own twenty yard line to be able to needed, pull though. off the fake punt. That was that was, you know, momentum changer. Definitely. But yeah, very impressive win by the Rams. Excited to see what they're going to be able to do against the Patriots. We'll get to that here. I think the biggest question I have is if Sean Payton and uh, Todd Gurley really enjoyed that gumbo together after the game. Man, Todd Gurley was on the sidelines. That was, uh, I, I, man, watching that, I was, I'm still a little bit confused. I'm sure over the next two weeks coming up to the Super Bowl, we'll figure out a little bit more of what was going on and why Todd Gurley wasn't getting as much playing time but it felt like cj anderson had you know two-thirds of the snaps versus todd Gurley only being there a third of the time i'm sure it was a health thing but like i said i'm curious to see exactly the details of that coming out here in the next couple weeks yeah he's definitely not 100 percent right now i mean on the field the cuts that he's making just aren't what he was earlier in the season uh he's not getting targeted out running out of the backfield as much uh i think it's yeah it's definitely a health related issue and i think they're lucky that it's a two-week period between now and the Super Bowl where he can really get healthy and get to where he needs to be to get to 100%. So I, we'll get into it later, but I expect big things coming from him. For sure, for sure. Now, answer this question for me. What do you think? A, a, a no. call like that, I mean, it's so blatantly obvious. Do you think that's something that should be looked at to be changed in the future to where if something's that blatant, you should be able to challenge a flag? 
you know, or a penalty call and that that kind of scenario? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, it would definitely slow up the game a lot, but that kind of call right there, I mean, that's that's game. You know, I mean, the same, it went to the difference between a, a touchdown potentially, you know, like go, if they got awarded a penalty right there, they would have been able to continue that drive and a field goal. And that field goal kind of allowed the Rams to tie it back up. Uh, so I think that's something that they should look into. I don't know how you uh, can come up with something to stop the play. I guess it would be a challenge. But then, I mean, referees are humans. There's going to be errors, man. I mean, uh, you can't there's, – there's probably going to be about four or five missed calls a game, and that's just going to slow up the game too much. Uh, I think maybe they can set a policy in place the last two minutes where if the refs think that there might have been a mistake on a call, then they themselves can do an official booth review or maybe have a referee sitting inside of a booth, you know, and flagging it down to stop the game, something like that. Uh, uh, that being said, you know, there was another game later that night that was kind of exciting. You know, you got the Pats and the Chiefs. You got the, the old school, you know, is it the end of the dynasty versus kind of the, you know, young guys that just bring excitement and electricity and onto that field. Uh, as you kind of watch that game unfold, what were your, kind of your thoughts, Johnny? Man, I'm, it was a day of controversy. Lot lot of calls going some interesting directions, but I mean... As much as it pains me to say this, how about that man, Tom Brady, man? I just... jordan like Man, you can you can put him in that, obviously. I mean, I, I would consider him the GOAT of his sport. His uh, position his, or his, his sport? Oh, his sport, no doubt. Okay. Um, it's, it's, in my opinion, a little bit hard to argue that. But, I mean, this man, absolutely, every time the ball is in his hands, you just feel like they are absolutely going to make the right decisions and third down after third down after third down, they were able to convert. I mean, you look at that final that final drive. You have third and ten three times, and they're able to convert every single time. It feels like every time there's a big play, you're looking for Julian Edelman and everybody God, in the dang, stadium. He got open every third down, didn't he? Everybody in the stadium knows where it's going, but you can't stop it. You get you got to give them a lot of credit, you know. And they're it's going to be hard to. You know, go against them coming up in the Super Bowl. I mean, they're what? proven. They're they've been there. They know what they're doing versus the Rams been, being there their first time. But what about Andy um, Reid, man? I mean, he had so many potential opportunities to call a timeout. That that defense was gassed. I mean, New England had that drive at the very end, and then then overtime started, and then they got the ball right away. So the defense was on the field for minutes after minutes. You know, and he had three timeouts. Why not use them? Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's. Definitely a great point. He's he's been criticized over the years for his his ability to pl- call the games, make you know the right coaching decisions. Uh, so you can definitely look at that. I mean that that defense is is what ranked thirty first in the league, and they're playing against a dude who you you believe is going to make the right play every time in Tom Brady. So it's hard to look at that, but man, that dude Patty Mahomes, that guy is exciting to watch every time. You thought they were out of it. He was he was making a play here. He was making play there. He was he was pretty impressive. Do you think that but, game's different with Kareem Hunt? Spencer Ware only had about ten carries, thirty one yards. The run game was pretty much non-existent. No, yeah, there. but w- Williams was able to come out of the backfield. I believe he had three touchdowns in the in the fourth quarter alone. Um, so he he wasn't much of a, a a factor running the ball, but definitely a factor coming out of the backfield catching balls. Um, very impressive. He he, you know he, in my opinion, earned himself a contract over the next couple years. Um, that that dude balled out, in my opinion. Um, I feel like the Chiefs, you know, really dug themselves in a hole early. I was not a fan of Andy Reid's decision um, to defer, you know, starting the game and putting the ball in the, Tom Brady's hands. And sure enough, they went down the field, eight minute drive to start the game and punch it in. And you just felt like from that point on, the Chiefs were just going to be trying to catch, play catch up the entire time. Sure enough, that's what happened. But like I said, Patty Mahomes was able to bring him back. But that guy, Tom Brady, is just too good, man. Too good. The throws he was making was just incredible. I mean, think about it, too. I mean, the uh, 
Patriots, how, how, what was their run game like? Oh, they got a lot of good help from Sony Michelle, so that was a pretty big uh, X factor in that game. I mean, two touchdowns, 113 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you got Rex Burkhead with two touchdowns of his own, too. So it's not like he did it on his own. I mean, yeah. uh, I think maybe they had a lot of open running lanes because the Kansas City was only rushing about, what, three, so they could keep a lot of secondary players in the backfield. Uh, so it was, a, it was an interesting game of kind of chess. Uh that defense is pretty tough for Kansas City. Like they have a lot of defensive woes, uh, but I feel like that would have been covered up more with someone like Kareem Hunt with so much offensive firepower that he could have really uh, helped Kansas City maybe separate themselves more, at least on offense. Yeah, see, it's it's hard for me to look at what the you know. I, I just don't think Kareem Hunt would have made too much of a difference. Um, I'm not really looking at him as any upgrade of what Williams did today. Um, but I just feel like, I mean, you got to give all the credit to the Patriots, you know, their game plan, they absolutely punched, um, Kansas city in the face early. And it took a long time for Kansas city to be able to figure out what to change. Um, but they went down absolutely with the, with the run game that they, the Patriots were just driving it down the field. And that was keeping the chiefs offense who is so powerful, just keeping him on the sideline throughout. So I got to give all the credit to Bill Belichick, man. That dude came up with a master game plan, and Andy Reid has been looked at over and over. He can't win big. He cannot win big. Yeah, he's a good developer of the quarterback position, pretty uh, creative offensive mind in the NFL, but uh, he's proven over and over again that he can get his team to the divisional or the conference championship, and that's about it. He had the Super Bowl run with the Eagles, but, I mean, they just got torched in that Super Bowl. Um, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's hard, hard not to look at the, the coaching and say that that had a factor. I mean, that's, you're always going to give the upper hand to, to Bill Belichick in that case. But. How do you think D. Ford's feeling right about now in that locker room? Man, I mean, if he's not off sides right there, the stupid man. That that's that's it's hard not to look at that. That was pretty boneheaded mistake. I mean, that that cost your that your cost team the game. That, that the cost of the turnover that they created yep. right there. Yeah, I mean, yep. they would have they gamed it right there. I mean, it's as simple as looking up where you're lined up and are you off sides or you're not. If you are, take a step back, man. You don't need the sack. You need the stop. Yeah, it's it's. It's it's one of those plays you look back and that man that that really kills you. I'm sure he'll be thinking about that all summer long. All right, well now we know kind of who's in the Super Bowl. We got uh, we got the Patriots against the Rams. Uh, a lot of history goes back between those two teams, as you might know. Uh, the Patriots beat the Rams in their first Super Bowl to kind of start that dynasty era. So it's kind of a perfect Hollywood script that we got ahead of us right now. Uh, kind of a rematch. Now we have these young guys in L.A kind of wanting to start their own dynasty. So what do you expect going into the Super Bowl? Who do you think is going to kind of come out victorious? Give me maybe a couple of your X factors. Man, I, I, like I said earlier, it's it's hard to look at Todd Gurley. And I, I just I need to know what's going on there. Um, but I want to say if he's playing and he's running the ball how he was running earlier in the year, it's hard to go against the Rams. Uh, one of those things, again, just to be able to keep Tom Brady off the field. But I I like what the the Rams are able to do defensively. I think they'll give Tom Brady a little bit of trouble. Uh, They'll be able to get to the quarterback a little bit better than the the Chiefs were today since they weren't able to at all. But So I feel like they'll be able to put put some good pressure on Tom Brady. And, you know, everything in me says pick the Rams. But I just – I find it real hard to root – not root, excuse me, uh, to pick against Tom Brady – um, I just feel like the the two weeks is just too much time for Bill Belichick to come up with a great game plan. He's gonna find a way to take the running game. I I feel like out of the picture, stop that completely. And he, I I feel like he's gonna try to make Jared Goff just win the game on his own. Which, as we saw today, that man came up with some big plays, and he definitely has the potential. I do not trust potential. him in the Super Bowl. I do not trust him in the Super Bowl. You know, I third-year guy, inexperienced. I mean, Belichick is his mouth is just drooling at the thought of being able to come up with a game plan to stop the Rams. I think coming up with a game plan to stop the Rams is a lot easier than it would have been with the Saints, sure. Especially with the unhealthy Todd Gurley. Uh, 
I think that the Rams at times can become stagnant on offense and predictable. As much as we like them to sound that they're electric and they're exciting and whatnot, but uh, they can become a little bit too predictable to where you know what's coming. I feel like the Saints would have been a little bit better of a matchup personally. Uh, like you said, never doubt uh, the New England Patriots. That includes Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean, early on, I want to say the Patriots. As of right now, I, I I feel like as time gets closer to the game, I'm I, I feel like it'll be more likely that I go with the Rams. Um, I really believe that they'll be able to do a lot of damage just with spreading the the weapons all over the field. I mean, I feel like we're discrediting Sean McVay, which is kind of crazy to think with how much love he gets from everybody in the media right now. Uh, but I definitely feel with Sean McVay, he is going to come up with some stuff that we have not seen. Uh, I feel the same way about Bill Belichick as well and his defensive game plan that he's going to come up with. Uh, but I feel like, you know, I, I disagree, man. I just feel like Jared Goff, he, he proved himself to me big time today. That crowd was going wild and he was able to stick it in there and just, you know, prove that he can ball. It doesn't matter. He he played against Drew Brees today, and he he showed him up. You know he he made the big plays late. Was able to make some sidearm throws. Was able to make some throws in over the top. Uh, I just feel like he's going to be able to make some big plays. Um, but I just man, I got a good X factor for you, man. Roger Goodell. What kind of script does the NFL oh, want to write? Stop it, man. Stop it. What I, kind it, of script? Do they want to keep handing these championships to New England, or do they want to start something new with a new fan base, a younger fan base? Man, you're, you're, you're trying to come at me with the conspiracy theories over here. I got to say, man, is, there's been many, many scandals, and he's kind of let it slide. But there is a feud now going on with Robert Kraft and Roger Goodell, you know? So maybe he's going to show a little love to L.A. We'll no, see. We'll stop, see, man. man. We, we want to talk about X-Factors. I, I think a big one for that um, truly will be uh, Robert Woods uh, for the Rams. And then on the on the uh, Patriots side, man, it's hard to not look at James White. That dude, I mean, it feels like every time it's a playoff game, he's at, you know, 10 to 12 receptions. For a good 80 yards and a touchdown, it's. I think those are the two guys I'm going to be looking at to make big plays, you know, here and there. Um, but that's that's who I'm looking at. What do you think? I'm not going to single out one guy, but I'm going to say that defensive line for the Patriots. How uncomfortable can you make that young quarterback? How much pressure and heat can you put on Jared Goff to make him feel rattled and be afraid to kind of make those big-time throws? And I think if uh, they start early, sack, get maybe one or two sacks in that first quarter and quarterback hits, knock him down a little bit, you're going to get him uh, rattled pretty quick. Uh, I think at least for the Rams, I'm going to go with for an X factor of uh, Brandon Cooks. I think he wants uh, I think he wants a little bit of a what you would call a revenge game. He's going against his former team. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't think they even offered him a max contract or anything. They kind of just let him walk. Well, they shipped him out of town. Yeah, they traded him. That's right. Yep, they, they traded him. And uh, I think he remembers that, and I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Cooks. See, see, that's interesting to me that you said the, the uh, Patriots defensive line. I think it's almost the opposite. I'm, I'm really curious to see what kind of damage, um, you know, Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue. Well, we know what's going to happen with them. I mean, they're going <laughs> to go after Brady. That I don't know, man. That guy, that Brady, he was getting the ball out so fast today. No, nobody was touching him. He... I think he only had one time he was knocked down. But the difference is that the the Rams only have to rush three, and it's equivalent to four or five for what Kansas City would bring. I mean, uh, and the coverage from the linebackers in the L.A. Rams will kind of take away those checkdowns real quick. I'm I'm going to be very interested to kind of see how those war in the trenches go. See, I'm 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 thinking a little bit different than you. I don't think they'll be able to get home with just three guys rushing, sometimes even four. I think it'll take a little bit extra, um, and it, we're we're going to need to see if, if the Rams are going to be able to have any success. I believe we're going to need to see a few of those coverage sacks where the, the secondary has just got everything covered down the field. That way everybody on the line will be able to get home. I think that'll be you know the big difference, but definitely over the – Next week, we'll be able to see in a, a little bit more, see who's healthy, who's not, uh, and really see what 
to expect over the next couple weeks here. Man, okay, enough about all these winners. Let's talk about what some certain teams needed to do this offseason. Now, there's a lot of teams that need to improve, moves that need to be made, but let's start in Pittsburgh. What the hell is going on in Pittsburgh? Oh, my goodness. I mean, where, where do we start there? Um, let, I mean, the big one that's being talked about is Antonio Brown. Uh, I mean, from, from everything that I've seen, uh, you know, that guy, in my opinion, might be you know, top two wide receiver. Hard to not say he's the best wide receiver in the league. Um, but things just aren't working there. You know, it's it's kind of crazy to think that, even though if you look back over the last three years, he's leading the, the league in almost every category in receptions, in yards, in targets. Um, so it's almost crazy to think that he's unhappy with how much he's, uh, how much action he's getting on his side of the field. But at the same time, things just always seem to be boiling over in Pittsburgh. There's always drama going on there. And that starts so, from the top. That's the culture, you know, that kind of might fall on the coach. But I'll tell you what, you know, there's a saying that people just get crankier and crankier as they get old. I think Antonio Brown <laughs> might be turning into Terrell Owens. Oh, um, you got a man. He, he's even wanting to go to San Francisco, according to Jerry Rice. Uh, he clearly is not a good uh, person to have in the locker room. Uh, you know, like you said, it seems like he's for a guy that kind of went undrafted or under the radar. Uh, you would think he'd be not more humble, but he would be more thankful for the opportunities ahead of him. I mean, he's been getting balls thrown his way year after year, stat stuffing. I mean, you're kind of in the perfect situation there. So, I mean, what could you be mad about? No, see, I, I disagree. I, I mean, it is interesting to see that he he came up from pretty much nothing and being overlooked in the draft process, came in as a sixth-round pick from Central Michigan. Uh, but, I mean, he's proven himself over and over again. So it's kind of hard to look at it when um, when Big Ben has just been in critical downs. He's not even looking his way anymore. You know, he's looking at Juju Smith-Schuster. He's looking at well, James Washington. Well, that's because of the double teams that Antonio Brown gets. How are you supposed to throw it to a guy when he's got – and the routes that he runs are deep. No, I mean, but he's consistently proven that he. it doesn't matter what coverage you put on him. He will find a way to get open. Um, so I, I think it's definitely one of those things. Uh, there's fault on both sides. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's just better for a fresh start. Um, so what do you trade him for? Do you you know, it, it's interesting um, because if he stays, he has, what, $22 million, uh, that he'll be earning next year. So the, the Steelers would have to pay that. If they trade him or even if they were to cut him, which I don't think they would do, uh, they take a $21 million cap hit. So it's very similar, uh, although in that case, they do get a lot of salary cap help. So it would open up um, $15 million, I believe it was. Uh, so in that case, it would be good. If you look at it, you know, just from strictly numbers, they're not going to be saving too much. Um, but if you look at it from the salary cap, they'd be saving. So I, I like the thought of him going, you, honestly, to San Francisco. That has made a lot of sense. Well, but, do you think that Juju can be a number one overall wide receiver? I mean, he's kind of just like living the dream right now, kind of mm -hmm. based on the defense that they're playing on at Brown. I mean, he's getting a lot of good looks. That's why he's had a lot of really good stats the last couple of years. I mean, uh He's put up good numbers, man, but I don't know if he's the number one guy. So if you do trade Bell, do you trade for another receiver? But it's not like San Francisco has that right now. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they wouldn't be getting much value back uh, as for a player that would be able to help them today. Uh, I feel like they would be getting just draft capital back, which is not the worst thing. You know, that's that's ability to be able to build towards the future, even though they have a roster that's, you know, ready to win right now. Uh, the one thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers is they've proven to me time and time again, those that team knows how to draft and how to be able to bring up their wide receivers uh, into guys that flourish. I mean, we look time and time again, they've had guys, you know, back from Heinz Ward, then we got Santonio Holmes, uh, Mike Wallace, we got Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, now it's Juju's turn and I think he's going to be able to, st I, I do think he'll be able to step up into his own uh, and take over that number one role, and they have they have depth at that position. Honestly, I, I think it makes a lot of sense um, from both sides of the both sides of the table. You know, to be able to move on. Do they need um, Le'Veon Bell? Oh man, it's 
Because Connor's not as talented of a runner as Bell, near, nor route runner, but uh, I think the system in place allows him to still be successful because he's just good enough to kind of like they miss Le'Veon, but they don't. No, see, I, I I would disagree actually strongly when it comes to that. I think they don't absolutely be so don't be so polite. I, I believe they definitely need Le'Veon Bell, uh, as, as we saw. It, I mean, you can you can talk about whether he made the right decision uh, for himself. I believe he did make the right decision to he's sit 30, out. Man. Uh, he's thirty, man. He's thirty. He's he's a fresh thirty though. After sitting out that year, I th- I think they they definitely need him. Uh, once again, I do think it might be a good thing, you know, to for both sides to be able to move forward and kind of lessen the drama in the locker room. Um, but it's. Those guys just don't come around every day. I don't think James Conner, although he did step up big and he played real well, um, but he's once, not your future once, guy. He's not your future guy. And, and he he might be. He's just he's no Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know that that there's only a few guys that can be really compared with him. Um, so it, it's it's hard to to move forward from that. Uh, but I think it's been proven by both sides that it's it's not going to work. It's time for him to move on, and I'd be looking for places such as the Colts and the Jets for him. I think both of those make a lot of sense, uh, and both of those teams will be able to pay him big time, uh, which is what he'll need to do to be able to make up for what he missed out this year. That's a good point. Speaking of like breaking up, moving on, what do you think about Eli Manning and his time in New York? Is it done? Should it be done? Or based on this draft class, do you think that they should give him another year? You know, as someone who considers considers themselves a Giants fan, more so I'm just an Odell fan, and so I root for the Giants. It's been pretty frustrating to watch him play, Eli, that is. Um, but I, I do believe they should look at Dwayne Haskins um, at that number five position. You know, no, none of the teams before them are going to be picking a quarterback unless you know, you never know what goes on in Oakland. And Mr. Gruden over there clearly doesn't either. Apparently, <laughs> there's that's that's a whole other situation. Well, I'll tell you what, own, it's been four years since Eli Manning has posted a QBR higher than sixty. Man, I mean, I mean, his numbers continuously go down. Uh, he's not performing well, and I would expect so much more from a great Manning quarterback uh, with with weapons such as Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham Jr., Evan Ingram, and the list goes on. They are deep in the skill positions and. While I'll give him some slack, that offensive line is terrible. Uh, he's having to get the ball out of his hands very quick, which probably explains why Saquon had such a high amount of receptions his rookie year. Uh, I think I think that they really need to figure out what they're going to do at that quarterback position because Eli's not the answer. They're not going to get better. Is it time for them just to move on and take a pick like Dwayne Haskins and let him develop with this young core that they have? See, I I think it's one of those things that Eli has kind of earned his right to play out his career, uh, even though, you know, you you got to look at other options. Um, but it, it's not one of those things where you'll see the Giants cut him or even trade him. Uh, I think he's he's earned that right to be able to kind of figure out what decision he wants to make uh, and go from there. He also has the no trade clause, um, or you know, he can be traded if he accepts the trade. Um, but I really think for them, that offensive line is so just awful. It's it's going to be tough to just throw in a rookie quarterback such as Dwayne Haskins and expect him to be much better. Could be improved um, in free agency. It, it, the, the thing I find very interesting is I would like to know what Teddy Bridgewater's um, market is. And if he if he's available, uh, that way you can use you know that top five pick at that number five spot um, to look at a, a lineman. You know, and start rebuilding that line. Uh, they were able to get Nate Solder last last off season. He didn't really pan out, but I think you know you put other pieces together, and he'll start to play better as well. Um, so I, I think it's one of those things that if you can find someone through free agency or through a trade, that might be a little bit more uh, interesting than drafting Dwayne Haskins. Uh, although I I do think it would be a good decision. Um, if they do want to draft a quarterback, I think Dwayne Haskins uh, would be a good fit at that spot. Um, we'll, and see. It would be, 
Well, speaking on moving on from Eli, there's kind of another interesting replacement option that uh, we're kind of hearing about more and more in the news reports. Uh, former Oakland A's number five overall pick, what most people might know him by is Heisman winner, Kyler Murray. He recently decided to put his name into the NFL draft. First of all, do you think he made the right decision? And secondly, what is his NFL potential? Well, I, I would say I feel strongly uh, about the, both those questions, but let me throw it back to you. Let me see what you have to say first, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I got on my mind. Man, this boy has cost himself a lot of money. I mean, there's no salary cap in the MLB. Players on average, average, Johnny, they're making $4 million a year. Do you know what it is in the NFL on average? 2.1. And I'll tell you what, the discrepancy from the top tier to the bottom tier is huge in the NFL. Oh, now now you're just looking at the overall numbers. I'm looking at the money. I'm looking at the money, man. But also, I mean, he's risking his physical health, dude. I mean, the NFL is tough on the body, and it quarterbacks that are running and especially an undersized one he could have a very short nfl career that would prevent him from having an mlb one at all now let me tell you where i disagree all right so you're looking at just the average money but he's not going to be making average money he's going to be making quarterback money for the first four years as a draft as a draft pick i mean after that I i mean to start off i i do think he will have a successful career uh, it is it is one of those things. If you look a few years back, he probably would not be even looked at in the first couple rounds just based off his height. Uh, but as we move more and more to the spread offense, uh, you know, and kind of more towards the college game, uh, that that height thing is opening up a little bit more. Uh, with that being said, I just see the- Johnny Manziel with him, man. Oh, stop! I, I mean, he he's about a little bit more of accurate of a passer. I mean, he does less cocaine, but that's. <laughs> You gotta be kidding me, man. That that's not even comparable. He's not in any kind of trouble off the field. Good kid, good kid. Um, see, back to the money thing. He's gonna be making first off first round money um, since he is pretty much guaranteed a first round pick by somebody will take the shot on him. You know, it 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 could be possibly as high as number one with Cliff Kingsbury going to the Cardinals. I mean, that's something that can be talked about. Um, but first off, he'll be guaranteed. Uh, the money from the first round, which will be making more than the um, $5 million contract he has right now with the A's. Um, so he'll be guaranteed somewhere between, you know, 10 to $20 million, uh, right off the bat. And that's just off the first contract. And we're not looking even, you know, in in the MLB. I mean, he's sure he's being draft. He's been drafted to the A's, but he's going to be in the minor leagues for some time. Number five overall, man, not for long. Yeah, but two so years. Let, let's talk. Look at a guy like Aaron Judge. He's still to this day, although he might be, you know, the number one what, talked MVP about candidate. Guy. And what is he making right now? Six hundred thousand dollars a year. No more than that. No, more I, than I guarantee that. you, that's what he's making because. What you gonna put down on that, I, man? I'll bet you some lunch <laughs> right now. Better but, be a good lunch because I'm hungry, man. He's not a, making no six hundred thousand dollars. He is off his off his baseball salary. That's what he's making. Sure, he's making a lot more in endorsements since he is. I mean, the t- one of the top two players for the New York Yankees. But he, that's what he's making, and he will be making that for the first five years until he's due for that massive contract, which he will get. But that's one of those things, Kyler Murray. He's going to the Oakland A's, man. They are just money kind of ball. A, Oh, that's that's the bottom or top, you know, bottom three franchise in the MLB. So I don't think that I, I definitely think that has a major factor uh, into his decision. You know, if he was going somewhere to play for the Red Sox or for the Yankees, I think that might, you know, make it a little bit more of a factor. I definitely think he's going to stick with the NFL. And I think it makes a lot more sense, uh, even no matter what what way you're looking at it, whether it's money um, whether it's no notoriety, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense for him uh, to go with the NFL route, and it seems like that's what he enjoys more, man. I mean, uh, why why else would he have given, you know, it a shot in in uh, college football this year, knowing that he already has that contract, uh, you know, and an injury in in football can end things real quick. Um, so I, I think he'll definitely go college wise. Uh, excuse me, uh, NFL-wise, and I think that's the right decision. I guess it just comes down to whatever makes him happier, man. I mean, that's a pretty cool opportunity to be a first-round pick in both sports that you love. Absolutely. So that's pretty That's pretty uh, unique. All right, well, let's just switch it up over from football to basketball. You know, starting with college basketball, 
Now, we've seen everywhere all over Sports Center and all sports channels, really. You see all the highlights uh, of Duke. You see Zion dunking over everyone and so forth. Uh, clearly, we've seen that this team is not invincible, though. They recently lost to, uh, what was it? Uh, Syracuse. Clemson. Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's now time to kind of pose the question. When March comes around, how dominant do you think this team is and what do you think their ceiling actually is? You know that they're they're very interesting uh, with their four freshmen. We we've seen it only really work one time uh, with that young of a team back when you had Kentucky having Anthony Davis. But I think this team is just different, man. I like their team a lot. I like what you have, you know, with uh, R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. I mean that that's hard to you know hard to overpass. But I think the big X factor on that team is Trey Jones. Uh, and his ability to kind of run things, and he is an underrated defender, man. That guy is a, He's is a straight baller. Definitely. Um, I do think they need a little bit more shooting um, to, you know, to be more dominant. With that being said, I do fi- I do see them in my final four, um, and I I just I, it's hard to go against Coach K, man. That that guy get, knows how to get it done, uh, and he's figuring out how to do the one and done thing as well. I mean, here's the thing that I struggle with, man. I mean, when you ha- when you label the term X factor, it kind of comes towards someone that's inconsistent. You don't really know what you're going to get with Jones. I mean, you know you're going to get amazing defense. So you get some knockdown shots. I mean, the the guy really doesn't create that many turnovers. I mean, he gets the offense running and he gets the defense where they need to be. Uh, I think on any given night, you do not know what you're going to get with Cam Reddish. I mean, this guy is projected to be a top ten pick. His shooting has been more inconsistent than, oh, I don't even know, the weather in the Northwest. I mean, <laughs> you, you just don't know what you're going to get, man. I mean, uh, it, it's going to come down to, uh, I just don't, tr- I don't trust teams full of freshmen. I don't. I think that when times get tough, I think they can shy away from the moment, unfortunately. I think it just comes with maturity and age. I mean, like you said, it's tough to do. They haven't done it since that Kentucky team with Anthony Davis. But uh, as far as what they're – Ceiling is, yeah, it's, they could possibly win the national title. It's probably one of the most stacked teams uh, in recent years. But realistically, I think that they could be one of those teams that get bounced out in the first, second round. Yeah, see, I, I, I don't think they're one of those teams that will. I, I do think they're one of the safer bets to make in a deep run. Uh, just because although their offense sometimes can be a little bit streaky, uh, one, they, they, they can hit you with some serious firepower, and before you know it, they're on a 12-0 run uh, just because of their defense and getting out on the break. Uh, but I think the, the big factor that kind of makes me trust them really well is their defense. You know what you're getting. Yeah. Time and time again, you know what you're getting. You know, you got a rim protector in there, and you can pretty much switch, you know, one through five you know, as, as long as Trey Jones can hold his own. Um, Which but, he can, he can. He's a tough dude. Yeah, so that they're they're gonna be tough, uh, but there there's some good teams this year. I, I don't think you know there's one dominant team. Uh, there there's quite a few. Uh, with that being said, I mean let let's look ahead. What do you, who do you think will be Final Four uh, worthy? That's tough, man. I mean. Obviously, it's easy to just look at the top 25 and say the top four are going to make it to the final four. That never happens. You probably get about, what, two number one seeds make it in, mm-hmm. four seed, and then maybe a six this as a uh, a sleeper, I guess. I guess, but if the, te- if the season ended today and the tournament started, it's my final four, I got to go with Duke, Michigan, Michigan State, and Tennessee as my dark horse. Huh. Uh, there's something special about Michigan. That uh, that combo with Poole and Matthews, and they're well-coached. They play great defense. Their offense can be a little bit inconsistent, but I'll tell you what, with that defense, it can definitely be made up for. Um, Duke scares me because, like I said earlier, those young guys, they tend to fall asleep or get themselves out of the game mentally on any given night. You don't know what you're getting with Cam Reddish. Uh, Michigan State, obviously you got Tom Izzo at the helm there. you got some uh, great young freshmen as well, about two of them. Other than that, they're pretty experienced. They're not, they're not super young. And then there's just something about that Tennessee team that just uh, really just intrigues me. So I want to see kind of how they kind of close out their season, especially in the SEC tournament. I want to see how they perform with that. When you got teams like Auburn and Kentucky in there. So I'd be really interested to see. I mean, you even got Vanderbilt, you know, uh, some really good programs. So that's something I kind of want to look at. What do you got? See, Tennessee is just definitely See, I don't not agree. A, man. 
<laughs> Tennessee is just definitely not a team I trust. Um, they're they've definitely unproven. Uh, they do have quite a quite an impressive squad this year. You know they they've been running good, fourteen and one right now. I mean, they had a big win over the weekend as well. I just don't really trust them much. Uh, I would go with my final four at this point in time. Uh, Duke and Michigan, we agree there. Uh, after that, I definitely have to put Gonzaga in there. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they can attack you in every single way. Don't trust um, that program. I don't. Uh, that, that's fair. They, they've proven that. But over the last couple years, they, they've been consistent. And they've been, they've been getting it done. Um, with that being said, my fourth team uh, is just... Kansas, man, they're they're one of those teams. They're gonna win the Big Twelve without their center. Without their center, that's how much I believe in them. I just mm. I just feel like they're gonna have an easier route hmm. than some of the other teams. They're gonna get that number one seed, I believe, uh, after winning their um, their conference for I believe a thirteenth straight year. Um, so it's gonna be pretty impressive uh, if they can do that. And it's it's easy to say that as well because. But Bill Self doesn't have the shooters that he's had in the past. I mean, Vic is probably one of their better perimeter players, and he's inconsistent. I mean, you don't know what you're getting from him. Cam Reddish makes him look inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're one of those teams, you know, some, some nights they, they can just struggle scoring the ball. Um, but it's one of those things, man. College basketball is, is very reliant on coaching. Uh, and, I mean, when I look at the four coaches that I – for the teams I picked. I'm talking about Coach K, Michigan. What's his name, man? Jim Beheim. Jim No, that's not Jim Beheim. Anyways, that's that's I'm trying to throw you a curveball there. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I I, I I apologize. I don't know Michigan's head coach's name, but I, I know I trust that Come guy. Come prepared next week, um, Johnny. The Gonzaga's coach, that dude just knows how to recruit uh, and knows how to get the best out of his players in Kansas sitting with Bill Self. It's just the four coaches I trust uh, in this situation. I'm not saying those are the four best coaches in college basketball, but I'm just saying with the teams they have, uh, those are those are the four I really trust right now. Not bad, not bad. Expected more from you, but we'll take it. Uh, moving on, go from college basketball to the pros. All right, who do you got for MVP right now? We're about that midseason mark, all-star break, not too far along away. Uh, who do you got going to win the MVP award? Man, I know you're not gonna like hearing this. That man, James Harden, is a <laughs> bad man. He is just putting up numbers on numbers on numbers. It is it is impressive to see what he's doing, especially to Are you see talking about travels. Oh come on! Man. Oh, all right, sorry. Keep going. Especially to see what he's doing while he's missing Chris Paul. He's missing Clint Capella. Was missing Eric Gordon a few. For a few games, he's back now. Uh, it's just, I mean, looking at the season average, he's at the, uh, 36 points a game while averaging nine assists too. Let's not uh, let's not forget about numbers. Does he have? I mean, you yeah, know, that, that's fair. Missing that's, Capella, you missing all those people. That's just more opportunities. Best believe. I mean, Jordan, Kobe, all those greats would be doing that too. No, I, I. How many know, free throws? It, I'm telling you what, that's what he's got to be praised for, man. I mean, it, it's frustrating to watch if you're rooting against them for sure, as I was over the weekend watching them play the Lakers. Frustrating game, but it, you know, it's it's one of those things. That's just skill right there, man. He he's not one of those dudes who's just a freak athlete. He's not a better, you know, just straight shooter than everyone else out there. Although he is a great shooter, he's just one of that, those guys. Just all around skilled and just baits guys into fouling, man. It's it's you know there there are very you know few plays where I I'm sitting there and I'm just like man that that's a that's a bad call. But a lot of the times it's just me getting more frustrated with the guys guarding him and why why are you falling for that, man? You know the scouting report. You've been seeing this guy do this year in year out. I mean he's just he's still finding a way to just put up buckets. You know it it, it is. It is impressive to see what Kawhi and Giannis have been able to do in the East, stepping up with LeBron out of there this year. Uh, but it, you could tell James Harden wants it, and I believe he's going to get it. I'll tell you what, Johnny. I was playing a little devil's advocate with you there because I got James Harden winning the MVP too. You know, I kind of really wanted to throw LeBron into that conversation, but health has kind of taken him away from that. Uh, I think you take both those guys off of the roster, and I think the Houston would still make the playoffs if Chris Paul was healthy. 
Um, that being said, though, when it comes to stats, I mean, Harden wins, man. I mean, he gets to the free throw line more than he should, but at the end of the day, stats don't lie. And, I mean, you know, I think I think I got him winning the MVP again this year. I think he really wanted uh, a two-peat because I still think he feels like he got robbed uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, but how can you take it from a guy that averaged a triple-double? You know what I mean? So. So, I mean, we're, we're giving all this love, you know, to the West with talking about James Harden. You even threw LeBron in there, which it's hard to hard to put him in that conversation right now, uh, even though we know his greatness. But let, let's look at the East, as mentioned. I mean, Giannis has stepped up, as we mentioned. Kawhi has. Man, the, the, the East is kind of tough. It's starting to get back up. We got, you know, Milwaukee. We got Toronto. I got to say something about Giannis and Kawhi as far as MVP candidates. Those are elite, elite players. But I'll tell you what, when those guys have been injured this year, their teams have played extremely well. Like, their record without those guys, pretty remarkable. Maybe they're playing against the Magic and the Knicks on all those games. Who knows? But that being said, uh, I think we're giving a little bit too much love there for the MVP race. See, I, I look at it completely different. I, I feel like you're well, really okay. discrediting be, those guys. There's got to be wrong people in the world for there to be right, Johnny. Stop it's okay. It, Keep going. So we're, we're looking at... Kawhi Leonard, I mean, we, we've seen what he's been able to do um, to that team. I, I thought it was going to be tough, honestly, for them to start out. You know, you got a new coach. You got a new guy coming in with DeMar being shipped out and Kawhi coming in. How do we not um, mention Steph Curry as an MVP candidate? I mean, the dude is shooting the lights out of the gym. No, he, he's, he's in the conversation. There's, it's tough, there's though, because no that team's so that. stacked. I mean, you take him off. I mean, how valuable is he to they, that team? They, they, see, those guys, you know, him and KD, they should both be in the conversation, but they, they take votes away from each other uh, with both of their greatness on the court at the same time. But it, it, it's definitely, you can't, you can't argue against them being in there. Uh, but I, like we said, James Harden has to be at the top. Uh, but I mean, talk to me, man. Who who do you think is going to come out of the East? I mean, you got for the East, like to go into the finals. With, to go into the finals, man. I you, think you got a, five good teams there. I think it's the Raptors because they finally don't have to play LeBron in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, they have just been screwed left and right each and every year. Because guess who they have to go against? The King, baby. Oh, stop. And I mean, uh, now that he's not in the East, this is their time. If they don't make it into the into the finals. I think it's time to rethink uh, their basketball GM. What's his name? Oh no, he he's a, he's done a good job. I mean, their GM he's put good pieces. They've been make- able to develop guys pretty well. I think it was a great risk, honestly, for them to uh, to see if they can keep Kawhi after trying this out for the year. I don't think he'll stay. Um, I think he'll he'll end up going to LA. Unfortunately, not to the Lakers. I think he'll end up with the Clippers. Yeah, I was going to ask, what do you um, think about that, man? I mean, it looks like they're tampering. They're at every game. How are they not getting fined for this? I mean, if the Lakers even dropped someone's name on Jimmy Kimmel, I mean, there, there you have it. It looks like the Lakers are trying to sign him while he's playing for another team. It's one of those things, man. It's, it's, the Clippers are the little brother. They're, they're never going to be compared with the Lakers, and that's, that's one of those things. They'll get away with that, and that's, that's just how it is. Um, I do. I do think you know it'll be interesting to see if if this continues. The the Clippers doing all this, showing up at all his games, trying to meet with him afterwards. If if that'll cause anything, I don't think it will though. Uh, and like I said, I think he'll end up in the Clippers. But man, you just keep avoiding my question. What man, you you really think that the Raptors are coming out of the East? Yeah. So I I don't I don't agree with that one at all. Actually, uh, I I Who? think they're who's going to come out of the East. I think they're they're the third person. Uh, excuse me, the third team coming out. Um, I put I I have a I still have a lot of faith in Boston, man. I know they're struggling. I I just think they'll figure it out. I think they're just gonna make they're a move uh, come trade deadline. I think one of those guys has to be shipped out. Which guy? They're, what guy are you talking about? Brown, Tatum, or it, it, it depends. Uh, yeah, that, those are the. Th- I, I don't think Tatum is in that at all. I think it's Brown or Hayward. Um, as far as and, play goes, I think uh, Brown is more tradable than Tatum because of value wise. Tatum's really taken a hit as far as numbers go this year. No, see, I, I think Tatum definitely has the higher trade value, but I don't think Boston wants to part ways with him. Uh, I do think Jalen Brown will be the odd man out, and I think the team that gets him will be very lucky. I, I do think he's. Uh, you know, an impressive young player. But I, I just feel like there's too many guys out there. And, you know, another name we didn't throw in there, Terry Rozier, uh, especially with him uh, on a contract year. 
Um, I think it would be interesting to throw him out there. I think a few teams could really use him, uh, especially since the the Celtics use, like to use Marcus Smart uh, a lot inserted to the into the lineup. Sometimes even the starting lineup. Um, so I do think one of those two guys, if not both, will be shipped out by the trade deadline. Um, and I, I think they'll they'll be able to figure it out. I really like that team, man. I really like uh, the the chance for them to be able to build. Uh, off of last year with giving those young guys confidence. And I like Brad Stevens when it comes postseason, man. That, man, that, that guy dude can drop some doing. plays, sideline out of timeouts and stuff. He's a little genius. Yeah. My goodness. But, and, man, I like Milwaukee. Uh, those, those what part? Dudes, those dudes really play some defense. Uh, one of the, I think I believe the only team in top five in offensive and defensive efficiency. And Giannis and you say kinda, I'm about the stat. Look at you. <laughs> Proud of you. Hey, man. Uh, Stats are part of the story. They're not the Look, entire everyone, story. my mentee is learning from me. Uh, let's, let's not even begin there. That's a joke. But uh, let's just talk about Giannis to start with. I, the only thing that worries me about him come playoff time is how teams will guard him uh, over a seven-game series. And I believe it will be a little bit tough with him not being able to hit really any, any bit of a jumper. Uh, but, man, he just always finds a way to get to the basket. Um, so a lot of credit there. Yeah, he gets wherever um, he wants. But man, that dude is so long. It, it would be interesting. I, I do like Toronto. It's not like I'm. I'm. I'm I don't want to totally hate on them. I just they're one of those teams. Every year comes around and they just kind of don't. You know, they don't show up in they the phase playoffs. Out. Yeah, they phase out. So they until know. until they. I don't trust you know, Lowry in the playoffs. They, until they show up, I'm I'm not gonna put any uh, any stock in them. Uh, like I said, I I really believe in Boston. Uh, there's some news that kind of came out. It was kind of big. Uh, Boogie kind of made his return to Golden State. Uh, dude fouled out in 14 minutes, but he scored, <laughs> he scored 15 points doing that. So he did something right, I suppose. Are the Warriors beatable or are they uh, immortal? They are absolutely not beatable. They are they are something else, man. I I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like them. I mean, even without... DeMarcus Cousins, uh, I still think they would be at this unbeatable phase as they have been in the last couple years. And then, man, that's just the cherry on top. That The one thing that you could say with them prior to this year is they struggled to guard the paint and they struggled to rebound. Uh, and, man, that dude does both of those things. Uh, so he, he's going to be just what they need, I, I believe. Uh, and he, that's just one more guy to spread the floor to. It's it's going to be ridiculous to watch uh, them come playoff time. I'm I'm just. I think to best utilize Cousins' skill set, and I think filling a pretty big void that the Warriors have right now. They struggled a lot this year with bench scoring. Now, hear me out. I feel like it would be best to have Cousins come off the bench, but play starters minutes. Uh, I think that he could provide that second team where he could be the number one option on that floor uh and i think that would just take the warriors over the top i think you could start looney get him to play 13 minutes give boogie cousins his 29 minutes but playing him with different people when you sit out certain guys uh i think that's uh something that steve kerr should look into moving forward i like the way you're going with that but no (laughs) that's that's not happening all right um it's one of those things uh as much as it is you know looking to you know, spread around the scoring and make everything basketball efficient. Uh, I think it's one of those things, man, you got to manage those egos. And he's, he's got a, as big of an ego as there is in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so I think, it, I think it makes a huge difference for him to be starting, uh, especially for it being pretty much contract time. He, he wants to be able to prove uh, that he can get that max contract this summer, uh, which I do think he, he is worth it for teams to, to be able to – make that move um, as long as he's at least 90% of what he was before. Um, so I think it's one of those things. He'll definitely be playing starters minutes. Uh, I'm just really curious to see, you know, when things start going against them uh, and, you know, a game three on the road uh, where Draymond Green and DeMarcus Cousins, those two guys, I could see honestly in a matter of minutes, both guys getting ejected. <laughs> um, Fighting so, each other maybe, but wait till the season's so, gone. Um, that's, that's one of the only things, uh, that worries me about the Warriors, uh, is the, the only two things really, uh, would be those two guys exploding, uh, and kind of ruining things with, from within, uh, as well as also just health, you yeah. know, Katie and, and Steph, two guys that, 
year after year they get injured. Thankfully, they've been a, been able to play in, in the playoffs. As I don't know about you, but I always want to watch the stars come out. But um, you know, I think that's one of the only things that can really slow them down. So, with that being said, I think the Warriors are untouchable. Okay. Uh, one question I kind of wanted to post to you today: uh, Have the Blazers plateaued? Are they as good as it's going to get with the core that they have right now? And do they need to make some moves? I'll tell you what. I'll just start with my opinion. Uh, two people are really struggling in the positions that they're in right now. C.J. McCollum and Terry Stotts. <laughs> Ter- C.J. McCollum is shooting probably career lows. I just have to look at the stats, but the career lows field goal and three-point percentage. He just looks kind of uncomfortable and lost out there. Not quite sure what's going on there. Second person, Terry Stotts. The man does not change his rotations. In-game adjustments are non-existent. I think uh, they might need to ride out this season to see how it goes, but I think this is Terry Stotts is on the hot seat. See, uh, as many of you guys are going to find out here shortly, I am a Terry Stotts hater, but this man... He deserves a little bit of credit. I mean, two last year finished in he the third seed. He loses well. This, stop, man. It, <laughs> last year finished in the third seed. They got embarrassed. Let's let's not kid around. Uh, and I, I thought personally he should have been fired uh, over this last summer. Uh, I think it was time to make a you know some big changes overall. Uh, but I I, th- I thought he should have been fired. But he's back, so you got to kind of see what you can do now. And he's got him back in the third seed again. I don't have much faith in the Blazers overall in nope. a seven-game series. Um, and part of that is the two guards. Um, can't you know, guard. They, they can put up buckets, but whew, they, they can't guard on the other end. Um, they so struggle against their own shadow, I'll tell you what. I definitely think it's time for uh, you know for a move. And either one of the guys, honestly, I, I, I think it would be um, more – more probable to see CJ uh, getting shipped out of town. I agree. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily the wrong move uh, to ship Dame out either. I think it's, you know, you really got to find uh, the best package out there um, and you can definitely get more for Dame. And I don't think it's too much of a downgrade going from Dame to CJ at point. Um, I don't think so, CJ would play point. I think you'd have to get a pass first point guard. See, I, I, I disagree. I, I think it, it would make sense if you, if you can get, you know, somebody who can guard. Um, because I, I would like to see somebody who's uh, you know in the six five to six seven range um, at the two position for the Blazers to be able to guard. I mean, you got the West. It, the, the, West the West is just long. It, they got guards for days, and you need somebody to be able to you know put the clamps on. So I, I would like to see somebody a little bit bigger going up um, in the two spot. So that's why I'd like to see CJ at the one. Um, and it, you know, if that guy can create on offense and have CJ off the ball some of the time, that would be great. But, um, this is all, you know, just hypothetical. I, I, I don't think, um, CJ will get shipped out of town anytime soon. Um, I think he's really loved by the franchise and I think he's gonna, he's gonna be sticking around for some time. Uh, even though I think that's the wrong move. Okay. All right. Well, we're kind of going to transfer over into our quick hitter section here, Johnny. Uh, First question is, uh, who do you got uh, for the number one draft pick? If you are a franchise, you have that number one pick. You have Zion on RJ sitting right in front of you. Who do you choose? See, I, I think this is going to be an unpopular decision, uh, but I, I don't think it's even close. Uh, I, I go with RJ Barrett. Uh, I think he's right now the better player and has uh, probably a higher ceiling, uh, which is, you know, like I said, an unpopular uh, opinion. Uh, I feel like Zion is one of those guys. The dude is just, I mean, he is a freak of nature. But not skilled. Um, but he is, exactly, he's, he's not, not very skilled. So he, his his game is not well-rounded out. And, of course, he's only 18 yeah, he's uh, or young. 19. I mean, so he, he definitely has game's developing. one he, of those uh, opportunities to just blossom into something incredible. But I just feel at this point in time, I mean, in college, there is nobody that can you know, put a body on him. He's, he's running through people. He's literally jumping over people. Um, I just think once you get to the NBA, uh, I think RJ is more NBA ready. There's more NBA ready. Sure. Sure. I I just think once you get to the NBA, you just find a lot of dudes that will be able to match up with Zion. Uh, and he, he really cannot go right. So it's like Julius Randle is more athletic. 
It's one of those things. He has to go left for him to have success. A little bit of a better um, jump. So I, I, I really like R.J. Barrett. I like his ability to get to the basket. Um, and he has a little bit more of a polished jumper at this point in time. Uh, but, I mean, to be real, both those guys need to figure out a way to shoot better free throws. Um, but I, I would go with R.J. Barrett. With that being said, I think it's totally fair if a team takes Zion number one. It might just um, come down to A fit. lot of it, it that, that could be big time. Um, but I think, uh, I think a big part of it will just be, honestly, a business decision. Um, and Zion is going to be the guy that sells the Marketable. tickets. Uh, he's going to be able to be the face of the franchise uh, and bring people in, you know, to yeah. watch a garbage team pretty much. <laughs> he's going to be going top two. So um, I, I think it's R.J. Barrett. Uh, um, although I think Zion will end up going number one, I think I would take R.J. Barrett with the number one pick. Okay. Um, so let let let's go over to um, let's let's go over to college football. Another quick hitter. Uh, I mean, you see quarterbacks transferring all over the place now. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think they should be able to, you know, play right away? Uh, do you think it's even okay that they're moving around? Uh, what do you think? Uh, I toss and turn. I kind of get frustrated because I see ulterior motives on certain ones. Uh, I think certain ones such as Justin Fields is totally okay. I mean, he went through that whole uh, racism thing with the Georgia students at the baseball game. Uh, so I can totally see why he kind of wants to get out of that situation. Uh, I can also see why Jalen Hurts transferred. I mean... He led Bama to two titles, and I mean three if you want to count this year. He still contributed, but that second year in that title game, he was down thirteen, got yanked out. This year, Alabama's down twenty some twenty eight, I believe, and he didn't get put in. I mean, I'd be pretty upset too. I feel like I wouldn't be getting an equal opportunity. But then I get kind of upset when I see people transfer for non competitive reasons. You have Justin Fields making a decision for himself to transfer over to Ohio State. And that quarterback that was supposed to be the next up-and-comer in Ohio State, Tate Marshall, kind of waited his turn for a year and decided to dip right when uh, Justin Fields decided to come there. He, Tate Marshall even came out with some remarks in the media saying, I'm not scared, I'm ready for competition. I mean, that two days later, he said, I'm gone. Uh, so things like that, I kind of uh, really uh, I don't know, grind my gears a little bit because at the end of the day, as a sports guy, aren't you competitive? Don't you want to see if you can't beat that next man or do you want to run away and go play at a smaller school see i look at it a little bit differently i, I don't think uh, i see it as running away i just think you know he he understands honestly i'm just not as good as the dude in front of me and i want to get you know my time in my my clock has already started ticking um on how much you know eligibility i have so it's you know it's important for me to be able to get the time that i have to be able to play in those minutes so uh, not only that, you know, I look at it from the coaching side. Those guys, if they want to dip, such as Cliff Kingsbury, two weeks after taking a job, they have the right to do so. Uh, so I, I think the the you know the players don't owe anything to the schools. You know, they should be able to do. Really, I, I believe they should be able to transfer immediately and play. Uh, I don't think it should be allowed midseason. Uh, but I think you know, in the summer, if you feel like it's time to move on. You know, I feel like they should be able to move, uh, be able to play immediately. Can you imagine if college programs were able to trade players? <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, we'll trade uh, Jalen Hurts for uh, your starting running back. I think a lot of teams would take that as a talented kid. Um, that being said, do you think that the college playoffs should expand more? Uh, it's four I, teams right now, and some people are saying let's change it to eight, sixteen. I mean, obviously, you probably can't do sixteen, but eight mm-hmm. might be able to be. I'm I'm not a fan, uh, honestly, of expansion in the playoffs. I know it's it's one of those things. It'll be more games. Uh, one, I don't think that's good for the players um, because, I mean, they they don't have you know the the bodies built up for it quite yet. Um, but not only that, I I just think it's one of those things as, as the the playoff expands, we're just going to get worse games. Um, I mean, who, what you want to see Alabama play what, you know, who's, who's in the AC. I mean, I get, what, they'd be I playing U, UCF or, I mean, it, it's one I'll of those what, things. I didn't want to see Notre Dame in the playoffs this year. Oh, well, you're God. just he, a hater. He had man. no, you're he just had, a hater. Shut up. He had no, he had no, no business. They had no business being in that. Uh, no, they, that they game, absolutely man. earned their right to be there. Because I, of their I think, name. 
No, because of what they did. What man. did they do? They beat Michigan. They beat Stanford. They beat USC Stanford at USC. They were so they USC. were ranked in the top ten when they beat them. They were sure wrong about that ranking, weren't they? Well, they were there. They played who was in front of them, and they didn't lose a game, man. They had to be in there. They didn't show up. That's true, but they 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 had every right to be in the playoff. Uh, like I said. I don't think they should expand. I think if they do, it's just they're chasing money because th- those extra games will bring them uh, a lot more revenue. Um, but I do think it's one of those things, as you expand, the games get worse. Uh, and honestly, let's not kid ourselves. We're going to be seeing Clemson, Alabama again next year, and it's going to be even better. I want Jalen Hurts versus Tua. All right, all right. what's Rebels? your closing thought that you want to leave all of our that listeners is, with? I would sell some tickets. Uh, I'm really curious to see coming up. We're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline. Uh, it's time for the Lakers to make a move, in my opinion. Uh, what what the move is, whew, I, I have a lot, lot of a... Uh, a lot of thoughts about that. We'll we'll get into that more as we move closer to the trade deadline. Um, but to start off, I think Brandon Ingram has to go, uh, and we'll see if that'll be done this year or in the summer. But all right, uh, Mike's just closing thought is I, I really think that James Harden uh, should give the referees a real nice gift. Maybe all watches or something if he wins MVP again. You know, all those free throws that they're giving him is really just. I'm telling you guys, helping him build up his bank account, you know. So, all right, well, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, Make sure you share the Pick Aside podcast with your friends and tune in next week to see kind of what Johnny's wrong about next.